the pitch to Stanton. Drew, there it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yankees lose. Yankees lose to the Red Sox. They're out of the playoffs. Boston advances. And then that was one of the big social media topics last night. I saw a big thread of uh, some people just going after poor John Sterling. And Susan Waldman, who actually was not on the call. And then there were were a lot of defenders, too, though. People do love them. Uh, It's it's a real it's a real interesting debate. That I'm not getting into today because we'll all be at that stage. Like, is there a point where someone needs to tell older announcers, listen, that's enough? Or is it on them? If you want to go on the air and potentially shame yourself, and there's also something else that's complicated in this. I'm not sure that they've been at the game, so I think they're watching on TV. So who the hell can do that? Yeah. Right? So John Sterling botches the call, and, you know, people are just piling on him. But, like, a ton of people, a ton of people just pounding John Sterling, who also has kind of a reputation as a blowhard over the years. Sure. So, you know, kick him when he's down. Well, and if you anybody that's that high profile for that long yeah. are gonna there's lovers and haters. Got it. <laughs> we got it. Brian Blessing is with us. Brian, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Uh well, while we were getting hooked up there on the phone, I don't think you heard the the uh the rejoin, but it was John Sterling botching the Stanton home run call, which was not a home run last night. Um Unfortunate, you know, you've been in this business for a long time, and there's a lot of issues here. You know, John John Sterling's a little long in the tooth, so I, I kind of feel bad for him, but he's getting beat up pretty good. Uh, how about the? It's hard because he hit the cover off the ball all night. How about they beat up Stanton for not running? That's who. Yeah, maybe Sterling was only watching that Stanton wasn't running. I mean, that thing was a high fly ball. That it wasn't like a line drive off the wall. We've seen a million singles off the wall at Fenway. That was a high fly ball that bounced down and come all the way back into and and they throw it a second and I'm like, where's Stan? It's almost as bad as where's Judge when he was running home. What was the third base coach thinking? <laughs> it was a baffling decision uh that was that we saw for sure. Uh but it also leads to tonight. Uh any thoughts on what we're going to see in this game? I got a funny feeling I'll go under the total. I I think this is going to be pretty close to the best. If Wainwright can get out of the first inning or two, I think runs will be at a premium. I, I think this is low scoring tonight. In that case, do you? I mean, does that favor one team or the other? Would you Would you take a shot at the dog just because of the price? Oh, if I was going to do it, I, yeah, I'm sure not laying two thirty. Uh, <laughs> I mean, St. Louis went on such a tootsie roll at the end of the year. I mean. Tough to get in front of them. I know the Dodgers look like a monster, but that's that's the rub. I mean, listen, I'm not it's not sour grapes. You know, I'm a Yankee guy, and the Yankees lose. I say this all the time. I've been saying it forever. 162 games, and what's the hurry to get it over? It's 
start earlier, play three or four doubleheaders a year, and make it a best of three or a best of five. I don't care what it is. But, I mean, you make the postseason, you know, you should get a home game. How about the Dodgers, the year they had? They've got to play the Giants 18 times, and they're sitting here, you know, dodging a one-game grenade, and, you know, teams in other divisions are playing, you know, ordinary teams. I mean, it is what it is each and every year, but to mitigate the one-game dagger, make it a best of three. I mean, play a couple of doubleheaders. I mean, 162 games. Can you imagine the Yankees-Red Sox game two tonight? I mean, everybody's laughing. Brian, are you sure you're objective on this? What if it was Seattle and Oakland last night playing for one spot? <sighs> you know, well, but the argument I get in with my buddy Stevie on the radio is, oh, maybe the regular season doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it matters. I mean, I, I just think you baseball now. I have, you know, how many baseball games? I'm, hey, if I bet the game and it's over the total, after the fifth inning, I change the channel, I'm on to the next thing. I'm all in. I'm watching the playoffs. They're great. It's a good I mean, point. 162 games. Give me more. Yep. Yeah, cutting off the best part or limiting at times the best part of the baseball season. Let's. I want to get to a couple of football games here in a second, but we were talking about Robin Leonard and his latest barrage on social media. I know the last time we talked about this, it was more about you know Flurry and Walsh and all that stuff, and you said you just don't care. Um, how about this one? I think we have to care, right? Basically. Uh, a, a, about the issue with Leonard and what he was pointing out around the league and maybe with specific organizations. Listen, there's a lot of validity, I'm sure, to the majority of what he said. And, you know, the way he did it, and it's out there. You just kind of throw the grenade in the middle of the room with the pin out. He certainly had the NHL squirming. You can only imagine McPhee and McCrimmon pulling their hair out behind closed doors. The NHL's really good at this. Remember, they, you know, he, he was out there uh, on the vaccination thing, uh, threw the league under the bus because he felt they lied to him, and nobody really had his back then. Other players agree with him on the Eichel thing. Uh, it's just it's kind of the mode of how he went about it on social media that maybe kind of torques some people. The Elaine Vigneault thing with the Flyers, that's a little bit out there. And, you know, the thing is, you're talking about what's going to happen on the ice. And without doubt, it's a fair question. And everybody can say, give you the coach speak answer. Oh, no, we're fine. We love Robin. Is it a distraction? And this is a regular hockey season now. This is an 82-game season. Everywhere they go around the league, players are going to be asked about this. How about the first game these guys play in Philadelphia? You know, I mean, you know, this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Adam, you're a Leonard guy. Is it going to be a distraction? Well, as I mean, as Brian was kind of pointing out, there could be for other for other teams, right? Sure. I mean, everywhere they go, hey, Leonard's in town. What did you think of what he said? I mean, now they have to answer. Maybe maybe you're just trying to distract others. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't dispute his passion for what he's trying to accomplish, uh, and if it is for the greater good. And and I, hey, listen, we had this discussion last week. I, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Guy gives you nothing burgers. It's boring and, you know, whatever. Then they get criticized. You're out <laughs> there, you're vocal, then you get criticized. It's just a question. I don't know if it's the timing of the thing, uh, but what impact will it have? The spin is, will it have any impact on the Golden Knights? I don't think so. They play in the Pacific Division. They'll be fine. Brian Blessing, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM 204. 
Monday to Friday. Also, uh, an hour on K Shop Monday to Friday is a part of that show. Let's get your angles on a couple of NFL and a couple of uh, college football spots. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to continue to not be a believer in Denver. And I know Pittsburgh is beat to hell right now. Big Ben is beat up. Steelers won against the Broncos? Yeah, I mean, you know, Steve, I'm telling you, the advanced line, the advanced market is really something cool. I started to really get into I mean, I'm looking at the games last week, and I'm like, wait a minute, okay. Uh, who's Denver play? Great, you, you beat him. You beat who's in front of you. Baltimore's going out there. But Denver was a two-point favorite going to Pittsburgh. I'm like, what is that? So if Pittsburgh's respectable against Green Bay, Baltimore beats Denver, which I thought would happen, you know that number's going to flop around, and Pittsburgh's a one-point favorite. Pittsburgh's played tougher teams. I mean, they played really good quarterbacks. I mean, they played Josh Allen, Burrow. They had to play Aaron Rodgers. And Teddy Bridgewater wasn't doing anything before he got hurt last week. Now Drew Locke going across, and you're basically calling it a pick game. Pittsburgh's got to be borderline desperate in that division now because the season's getting away from them. Rams-Seattle is a really interesting number. That's tomorrow. Seattle at home is getting two and a half. It's funny. I thought everybody was kind of going over the top. on. They were talking about the Rams like they were the 85 Bears. Just put them in the Super Bowl after a couple of weeks. Okay, dose of reality. They had a bad game. Arizona beat them. Seattle is a good team. I think they're going to cannibalize each other in this division. The number sometimes tells you something. This thing's at two and a half, and I'm telling you, it's on the way to three. I think coming off a loss, I think the Rams have a stone in their shoe. Pretty easy travel. I'll go. I'll go with the Rams in a back bounce back spot here. What do you think, Adam? Uh, usually, running backs don't matter at all. I, I think that's still the case. Um, I'm not concerned whether Chris Carson plays, and I actually don't think he's going to play. Uh, but I don't think it makes that much of a difference in the line anyway. Uh, Mac action. College football, you got something? Yeah, I think the weather. In, I spent a week there one day. Ypsilanti. <laughs> it's gorgeous this time of year. It's going to be 79 one, one degrees. Of, one of the several yeah. places I lived growing up, bro. Oh, boy. Get out of here. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I lived in Ypsilanti. Well, it's going to be gorgeous there. So you know how nice it is when it's nice there. It's nice there. <laughs> no. You, you got Brett Gabbert and Ben Bryant. You got two good quarterbacks, Eastern Michigan and Miami of Ohio. It's going to be a gorgeous day weather-wise, and that's about to change across the board in the MAC pretty soon. But I, I think these two teams put a bunch of points up. Totals fifty-nine, like the over in that game. And hey, by the way, on the show today, Jeff Sherman was on from the Superbook, and no joke, this is true, Adam. We were talking about you know Houston, what a dumpster fire they are. And I made the case, watch out when Tyrod Taylor comes back. I, I had your back, man. I said, the guy can play. He can't take anywhere big picture, but he can win football games. And I said, watch out when he comes back. But this Davis Mills thing is an unmitigated disaster. And Jeff Sherman said, the two biggest differences, when Aaron Rodgers is out of the lineup, it's a seven-point difference. With Tyrod Taylor out of the lineup to Davis Mills, it's a seven-point difference. So there you go. I believe you that was Tyrod's uh, resume. Yeah, I believe that was a, a John Von Tobel. Uh, I think he tweeted it the other day that it was the biggest difference uh, between a starter and a backup in the league. But I, yeah, I think I think Rodgers uh, probably edges him out. But it, it's right there. And by the way, they could win that division if he's back next week. They could win that division. 
Well, Indy's a mangled mess. Tennessee's been Jekyll and Hyde. There's, there's no getting around that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, well, I don't know. <clears throat> no, I can't say that. I, I can say they can hang around and be in the discussion in week 11, but I don't know about winning it. Uh, Brian Blessing, one more college spot. Uh, money or the line is moving towards Penn State. Uh, I'm seeing Iowa one and a half. Is this the end of the road for Iowa uh, against the Nittany Lions? Well, it might be the end of the road for the loser. I believe, not the end of the road, but the end of the road maybe for the top four. And the winner here lives to fight another day. And we're back to this nonsense of, you know, when you lose is what matters more when it comes to who the best teams are and who gets to play at the end of the year. But Penn State was a absolute nightmare at the beginning of last year but they have just whatever turned things on and they are you know playing unbelievable football as is iowa but it's a different era now at penn state it's not that plotty three yards cloud of dust nonsense you know this is a team that's got some speed offensively and iowa gets all the pub for a terrific defense penn state's defense is right there i think the nitty lions can walk in here and get the win all right, Brian, what do you got cooking? You uh, you back at the Westgate tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be over there uh, doing the shows and would lead the way up to the weekend for Football Central with uh, you know, Jay Cornegay and the folks over at the Superbook. We'll be over there. And uh, the hockey season's coming, guys, so I've got all kinds of stuff. They're doing some uh, – we're going to be – we launched a new thing for BetUS, uh, doing some hockey previews. So hockey season starting, just throw another coal on the fire and – before you know it, NBA and college hoops, it's a great time of year. And by the way, we got the PGA Tour at TPC Summerlin this week and then at the Summit next week. Back-to-back PGA events in Vegas. It's going to be great. Sweet. Thanks, Brian. Have a good day, guys. There he is, Brian Blessing. By the way, end of the road for Iowa, I meant end of the unbeaten road. Sure. It doesn't mean the season is over if they don't win the I game. I thought you meant the state was going to blow up. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the total there. I see a 40 and a half. It's going to be like 80 degrees in Iowa, in Iowa City. So I know, you know, Iowa's not a, a – they're a good defense. They're not a superpower offense, but 40 is pretty low. And there's a reason. Yeah. But 40, 40 and a half is pretty freaking low, especially in a sport where, uh, well, one, the game could be closed. What happens if there's some overtimes? Sure. I mean, I don't, it's tough to take that into consideration uh, when you're handicapping, but um, it is a pretty putrid offense that Iowa has. Uh, let's talk uh, – talk, talk, Joey Bosa – and Derek Carr, as a former quarterback at UNLV, Caleb Herring, will give his reaction to that. And uh, we also had a chance to uh, talk to Marcus Arroyo today, so we'll play some of the uh, comments from Marcus Arroyo in the bye week for Caleb Herring. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I want to talk to Joey Bosa here and say this. You were way out of line with your comments on Derek Carr last night. If he was as bad or as cowardly as you intimated, why was he 9 of 10 for 76 yards and two touchdown passes in the third quarter behind a line that couldn't protect him? Look, even if what you were saying was true, and it is not, why would you say it about a member of your NFL fraternity? Better than that, Joey. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. What are we doing here? That was Jim Trotter on NFL Network. Jim's good. He covers the NFL. Like, what's with the lecture to Joey Bosa for talking some trash after a football game? What has happened? Has the taunting stuff seeped into everyone's mind? Like, you part of the fraternity. There's no fraternity during the year. 
It's a freaking battle. All right. And guess what? The Raiders get another shot. And I saw a car today. He's like, well, you know, we'll see him again. You will. And let's see what happens. But this like wagging the finger at Joey Bosa. I don't get it. Part of the fraternity. We're all supposed to speak nicely to each other. We all supposed to pat each other, brush each other. Don't touch the quarterback. No intimidation. This, I, I don't get it. Caleb Herring played the game. Caleb soft. <laughs> Out of the gate, Adam, like that? I know. Oh my God. What, what is this? What is this? You don't, you don't talk bad about someone else in the fraternity. What are, what are we doing? I don't know that that's that that's new to me. I, I mean, trash talk is a part of the game. I, I think in, in a healthy way. And I, what Joey Bosa said, if I'm speaking about the press conference, right? Like what he said about Card going up in the fetal position. I think yeah. and when he knew he's going to get hit. I, I, that, I mean, he did kind. I mean, he. But I don't think it was you know necessarily he's a coward or anything like that. I think he'd been strip sacked and didn't want to lose the ball because he's prone to do that when he gets sacked in the pocket because he stands in the pocket too long. Um, so I think sometimes he covers up the ball a little bit prematurely because he knows he's going to take a hit. Nothing wrong with that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Joey Bosa pointing out that that's what happened. Just like any other quarterback in the history of quarterbacking will tell you, after I've been hit in the pocket, I'm aware that I've just been hit in the pocket. And I'm <laughs> going to be maybe a little quicker to throw the ball or to protect the ball in those situations. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not talking trash to point that out. And I don't think it's offensive to Derek Carr. I, I think, I mean... If you, if you want to say Derek Carr is a comeback, what he could have said talking smack back is like, well, last year I was, you know, top 10 quarterback in the league under pressure. You know, I had, I've had a QBR uh, over 100 or a quarter, a passer rating over 100 uh, in 2019 under pressure, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. So pressure, if anybody, I'm one of the least affected by pressure, right? If Derek Carr wanted to talk smack back, right? But I, there's nothing wrong with Joey Bosa, a defensive end who's tasked with tackling quarterbacks for a living to kind of try to get in the head of quarterbacks and, and talk a little smack about it. Just like Derek Carr talks a little smack on the field and he'll be the first to tell you that that's just a part of it. It's not, you should be lecturing, you know, Joey Bosa for saying things that happen in the game and trying to be an intimidating force on defense. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're talking about football. And then Carr today said he wasn't going to address it. And then he addressed it for like seven minutes. And to be fair, we did ask, we did ask multiple, multiple yeah, questions yeah. about it. Um, <laughs> but I'll, so one of the things he said, which is true, and it's almost what Caleb was saying, uh, one of the things Carr said is, did he watch the game in reverse? Like, as they hit me more, I was better. I was better in the second half than I was in the first half. So what is he talking about? Which is fair. Uh, but I'm going to offer a defense of Joey Bosa that doesn't sound like a defense of Joey Bosa. Uh, it's the, as, as Steve's well familiar with, the Pedro Guerrero defense. Joey Bosa is not an intelligent person. He's one of the dumbest people I've ever heard speak. And I don't think he was talking trash. I think he literally was just answering a question. And he's like, they told <laughs> us to hit him. If you watch the like, he's not like fired up. He's like, they told us to hit him because he gets worse. He, he gets affected by the pressure. Like, okay, they told you that in the meeting. Like, you weren't supposed to say it. But I don't think he was talking trash. I think he's just that dumb. So, oh, so uh, that there's a take. There's an angle. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think reading it in reverse, like listening to the So I... I heard or saw Carr's response first before I saw Bosa and what he actually said. So it was like, to me, I was on the same lines as you. When I heard how Carr was responding to it, I'm thinking like, oh, Bosa must have been popping off, talking some 
smack at the podium. And I listen. I'm like, wait a minute. He's not really talking smack. He's just kind of saying what happened. Like, it's yeah. just like they said hit quarterback. We hit quarterback. So, I mean, I get that. Like, that's yeah. that's just kind of normal in football. It's not like he was, you know, making it a point to go out of his way to say, you know, Carr's weak. We, we knew coming in, he's getting all these MVP talking, all this. He's having a great year. We want to shut that noise up and, and smack him right in the mouth and, and show him what football's all about. And no, it wasn't the case at all. It was like, yeah, you know, we were, we were told to hit the quarterback and we knew that if we hit him, he'd fold a little bit. And that's what happened. Like, what? Yeah, football happened on, on Sunday. Like, football happened on Monday night. That's what happened. Thanks. How is that at all talking trash? And why is that getting a lecture from from talking heads it, on, on sports networks? It, and it definitely looks crazier in print than it does when he says it. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And like I said, it's it's just really just common sense. I, it, every quarterback will tell you that. Yeah, when I get hit, it's a little different. Carr is one of those quarterbacks that if he gets hit and realizes, okay, the O line's not here today. I don't know where they are. They're they're just <laughs> not here. They're not blocking anybody. Okay, I got to get rid of the ball quicker. When he's getting rid of the ball quicker, he's one of the most efficient passers in the NFL, and that's just a fact. So, like Carr said, if you want to say that. He got better as the game went on because he realized he's getting hit. He doesn't have time to take the deep shots that he wants to to rugs and other guys down the field. So he got the ball out quicker, and that's when they looked better in the third quarter. But, yeah, it's just normal banter back and forth. Nobody should be making a big deal about Bosa, a defensive end, saying he wanted to hit the quarterback to make him hesitant to pull the trigger. Like, stop it. We're Let's get off the, the moral high ground. Let's stop trying to clean up a game that doesn't need to be cleaned up. We like it how it is. We don't need your unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. We don't need your taunting penalties. And we don't need lectures about how to talk trash appropriately to our opponents. It's it's ridiculous. I'm not asking you to sell to throw anybody under the bus that you played with necessarily. Um, I, I just want to ask this because I know you know quarterbacks. You speak to quarterbacks. You, you, you know, the fraternity of the NFL, fraternity of quarterbacks. Um, do quarterbacks get mad at the offensive line when they're bad? Or do they just say like, all right, this is what we got to do now? ah you got me here what do i do no you do yeah you do get mad at them but i think there's there's a point right you have to be blameless first and by court and i i think most quarterbacks you know there's something you can do about the offensive line like i can slide the protection i can get rid of the ball quicker like Derek Carr does. i can if i don't even recognize the blitz how am i going to be mad at my offensive line for not picking up the blitz right so that's one thing so first he who was without sin cast the first stone type of thing. If I don't know the protection, I can't really get mad at you for not protecting me. That's one thing. But it gets to a point sometimes where it's like, okay, come on, guys. Really? Like, you're one-on-one. You knew who you had. You're letting them kick my butt. Like, please, help me. I'm, I'm getting cream back here. And, you know, the worst thing is when, when that kind of decision happens, sometimes the offensive lines kind of turn their back on you. And like, say, well, hey, get out of it, you, you hero. Like, figure it out. You know, whatever. And that, that's when you really have issues on a football yeah. team when that kind of happens, but you definitely do. You, it's, I mean, it's human nature, right? If I know that your mistake caused me to get planted in the ground, possibly concussed, right? I'm going to be a little bit upset about you. I might be perturbed about the fact that you allowed me to get crushed by that defensive lineman. So I'm going to let you hear it. Um, and the best locker rooms that happens in the most appropriate ways, right? Like I can express that I'm mad at you without like asking for you to be fired or cut from the team. I can like, Hey, clean it up next week. Let's get better. And then an offensive lineman can receive it and say, hey, yeah, that's my bad. I got to do better. But absolutely, you get mad. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I've, I've, without naming names, I have been mad at people <laughs> on my offensive lines for missing blocks. Just like I'm sure they've been mad at me for calling the protection wrong or getting in the wrong run check. But good locker rooms, figure it out, and it doesn't really affect things. 
conversely, when do when does name and reputation and accolades kind of run out? Like in, in Pittsburgh, at some point, is the rest of the team looking at Roethlisberger saying, dude, what is hap- what is going on? You're dragging this team down. We suck because of you. Or is it like, hey, man, that guy's done everything in this league. We have to respect that. Uh, I think that moment for Roethlisberger where his name and reputation kind of drifted as far as just hearing Ben's name or Ben's way goes kind of thing should have been about a season ago. And I, I think in, in that specific case, I think everybody should have made the, the decision or the realization that rather that it doesn't go through Ben anymore. And I, I think for a lot of different reasons, but one, just his age and his performance dropping off over the past years, I think trying to tailor an offense to him um, is at the detriment of the team. Right. And that's just my personal opinion, but I think it does absolutely in a universal uh, landscape when your production and a production oriented business, which football is like it's based, you don't get your name or your reputation if you don't produce something. So when your production doesn't match your name anymore, that's when your name should diminish in value. Right. So Ben Roethlisberger to me doesn't have the same stature as a name as Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or other quarterbacks of their, their generation, I guess, so to speak. So because their performance hasn't really fallen off. And it's the amazing thing about Tom Brady. His name has lasted for 20 years because his production has lasted along with it. Guys who have who came and went in the NFL who maybe had a good name for a glimmer in time or a, 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 a blink in time, their name diminishes as well when it goes away. It's just like, you know, Fitzpatrick. His name is like all the rave when he's coming in as a backup in the role. But then once he gets a starting job, it's like, okay, well, Fitzmagic doesn't really matter that much anymore because you're not producing the same way. But I think as, as soon as your production diminishes, I think the value in your name and your your legacy, I guess, quote unquote legacy, is an afterthought as far as, yeah, we can appreciate it, but we're not going to make decisions based on it. We're not just going to believe what you say based on it because you're not even producing anymore, man. And if it wasn't that way, then guys would just play forever. And I think Ben Roethlisberger's in that camp right now where I think he's played past his prime, to say the least, and then past his utility as far as being the featured guy in Pittsburgh. And I think the team's suffering for it right now. Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV, our football insider on Wednesdays. Uh, had a chance to talk to Marcus Arroyo today over at UNLV football practice. I wanted to play this one for you uh, and get what you think of Cameron Friel. Uh, here's Arroyo talking about what Friel's been dealing with and uh, if he is improving. He's really maturing fast. He's he, unfortunately he's having to to throw the ball 37 times for 300 yards and try to try to come, come win a game in the fourth quarter uh, for again the, the second or third time. You know, it's just a it's a tough deal. Second time uh, in the last you know two weeks, um, but he's done a tremendous job of, of coming to work. He, he's just tough. He's resilient. He's got good composure. He wants some plays back. He's having some tough men, some freshman uh, some bumps for sure, but. Um, did a, he's done a nice job doing doing the best he can and, and, and growing through it. Caleb, my question there was uh, actually Friel's improvement and also pointing out that I thought towards the end of the game when he started taking some of the shorter stuff before, you know, the, the line kind of broke down and gave up some sacks when he was trying to take deep shots. But Friel had some moments where he was more patient and took what was available. Yeah, he has. And I think that's a part of the growth that he's talking about. The trial by fire is really unfair to young quarterbacks, right? And whether it's rookies, and I've said this before, rookies or freshmen in college, it, it's the same kind of thing. You you throw guys out there, and then you have all these expectations that may be unrealistic of them. And because of the situations they're thrown into, you know those expectations need to be met. Otherwise, people and maybe outside outside entities start to look at whatever happens as a failure on his part, and maybe he's not good enough, or 
we needed a quarterback or things like that. And these are these are things that I went through as a young quarterback as well. Right. And I, whether it was in high school or college, I've heard that the rumblings and the rumors about I've heard literally heard people chant yell from the stands. We need a quarterback. That's the problem. Like and I'm the quarterback. Right. So it's unfair a lot of times for young guys to be thrust into those situations where the things that they don't know yet or the things they haven't learned yet are now magnified because they're learning as, you know, the game's being decided, like wins and losses are being decided while you're trying to figure it out. So I think as a young guy, he definitely has figured some things out. And we see, we've we seen them in games from start to finish. If you watch the first quarter against UTSA versus the third and fourth quarter when they're trying to mount the comeback, um, and you see him on that two-minute drive, he's taking checkdowns. He's going to his eight, uh, his five-yard routes and letting the receivers run. Giovanni finally got some touches on the underneath game. Those kind of things where it's like, hey, the difference between winning ball games is on second and eight, instead of taking a sack for five yards, I take my check down and get three yards and live to fight another day. That difference, those little things are things that come with experience and living through it, right? And the game slows down. And you realize it's not all about the big deep throws or making the highlight play as the quarterback. It's about doing the little things that are necessary. And I think Cameron's learning those things and he's growing and developing. And then he can add that to his arm talent, his size, his 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 you know physical abilities as he goes on. But I think coach is right on. He's learning trial by fire, which is not ideal. And I think every coach in a position to make that decision with a young quarterback understands that it's not ideal for your guy uh, to be experiencing that and to be learning that in a trial by fire manner. It, it's much more preferable if you have the you know the the, the system in place to so let the guy kind of learn those lessons as a protected young guy let him develop behind somebody who's more experienced and learn through the film instead of learning by losing you games quote unquote losing you games with with poor decision making and, and poor execution so those lessons are hard learned hard learned for cameron right now but I'm, I'm glad to say that in the short time that we've seen him the couple of games that he's been the starter he's definitely grown and it's visible to the eye not just you know the numbers but it's visible to the eye that he's grown as a quarterback and he'll be better for it when it is his time to take over Caleb, good job. Uh, reminder, everybody, no Marcus Arroyo radio show this week with the bye week. No coaches show this week. But Caleb and I, along with Curtis Terry, did a uh, podcast that we taped yesterday. That'll be posted up uh, today around uh, 6.30 or 7. So look for that at Steve Cofield, uh, at Caleb Herring underscore. Is that right? At Caleb Herring underscore on Twitter. Yeah, there's, there, there's a Caleb Herring out there that's verified before me. Uh, I don't know. I got to get that guy banned or something so right. I can get my name back on Twitter. But, yeah, that that is correct. Caleb Herring underscore. There you go. Thanks, Caleb. All right, guys. Take care. Yeah, podcast will be out tonight. Uh, on the way back, a uh, real quick hit as uh, we got some reaction today from both Kevin Kruger, the men's basketball coach, and one of the newest players uh, transferring from West Virginia, Jordan McCabe, on that whole NIL deal where uh, each player each month is going to get $500 in terms of a car allowance or they can use the money for something else. Both of them had very interesting comments. The phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting today, Adam. Uh, UNLV football was practicing in the morning and so was UNLV men's basketball. So little availability with uh, some of the football players and, and uh, Marcus Arroyo a little after 11 o'clock. And then afternoon, Kevin Kruger and some of the players were available. Uh, practices are you know, kind of open for the media. So we'll play a little more Arroyo later in the grab bag. 
because he had some more comments on feeling pretty close to turning the corner here. Um, I will tell you, uh, they need the bye week. They are really beat up. And, well, I don't know what they would do at quarterback if they had to play this week. Because I don't think right now Doug Brumfield is ready to come back. Friel, nothing official, but it appeared to me like he injured his left leg at the last game against UTSA. Tate Martell technically would be the three if everyone was available. He's still coming back from plantar fasciitis. I actually think if they played this week, maybe Frill could go, but it might have to be Justin Rogers who would start. But they don't play this week, so they've got another, whatever it is, nine days off, eight days off to get ready for Utah State at Allegiant. So then I I didn't walk over, of course, and the campus is not that big, but I'm chubby, so I drove over. Uh, I go over to Thomas and Mack, actually, uh, Mendenhall, to talk to uh, Kevin Kruger and some of the basketball players. And, you know, they just got that NIL deal, uh, help from – Logic Commercial Real Estate and Finley Toyota and some other benefactors of the program and was asking Kevin Kruger about NIL. Now, remember, he like technically the coaches really aren't part of what goes on with NIL. Um, You know, they know about what's going on, but these were his comments just in general about, you know, it being something cool in terms of support. We don't have anything to do with it. I will say I think it's awesome. I don't know all the details, um, but I think it's great. from what I saw and what I've heard the guys kind of mentioning, I think it's a great step for the program and it's awesome for those guys to, to get that support. But um, one of the things we always talked about recruiting them was how much Vegas loves UNLV. And not that they didn't believe us, but I'm sure that kind of reaffirmed it because we're all new and we haven't necessarily done anything to warrant any of it yet. So, but we're proud of them, we're happy for them. And, and I think they're a mature group that's not gonna stop now if anything they'll just keep pushing forward even harder yeah, th- i thought that was a good moment honestly like yeah we're all new here like i mean kruger you know technically isn't he's been right. around people know the krugers but the players like jordan mccabe's a new guy i thought his answer here was great like you you figure oh you know i get a car allowance i'm gonna get something really cool and uh, when jordan mccabe newcomer from west virginia was asked about you know what kind of car he's gonna get here's what he said no i, I have a vehicle and the nice thing is is with that you know from what they talked uh, to us about and Huge shout out to, to Finley, Blueprint, um, Brendan, Jeff, everybody involved uh, with that NIL deal. Is That is uh, an allotment that you can use in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I'm reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's telling me to put it in a little different place uh, than a non depreciating asset. So. How about that? He's nice. like, let me invest the money. And, uh, you know, at whatever he is, 22 years old, he's like, cars really aren't the best investment. Not that they're investing, but it is, you know. We all know that for having cars over the years. It also helps that he already has one. If he didn't have one, he'd probably be well, like, give me that car. But I think that, uh, I don't know what he has. So maybe he has something sure. awesome. He may not, you know, he may have something that just gets him by. That's all you need. So funny one was uh, Kevin Kruger turned the questions around on the media. And of course, he had asked of, of all the guys to ask, like the most no frills guy who covers. Oh, did he go Gramala? He asked Mike Gramala from the Las Vegas Sun, who doesn't use condiments on food and like tacos are very. Shanty. Well, he tried one one day. We made him. Right. And he said, I understand the appeal. And I was like, Mike is not, <laughs> not going to have, Mike is not going to have a dream car. No. And then I think he just joked and everyone got screwed up because he said he wanted like a 20 year old geo tracker, <laughs> which Kevin, I don't think Kevin's old enough to realize to remember what geo trackers were all about. Cause what do you remember? Do you remember geo trackers? Vaguely. Okay. The one thing that people will always tag to geo trackers is that they were tiny and they would flip over. Sure. You would turn a corner and they would just flip. 
It was like a toy car. So I don't know where Mike got that from, but I like it. I was ready to answer like a Maybach or some kind of Mercedes or something super fast where I could go 180 miles an hour. And uh, he he nailed it. He asked the right guy for for a a bizarre answer. Did he laugh at least, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. Mine's a helicopter. Okay. I think that'll work with that allowance. Yeah. Seems maybe just a very small part of it. No, I'm in. All right. Let's find out what's going on in the Super Contest. Also, where the Sharps and the Squares are going right now. Uh, in terms of NFL betting, John Murray, Westgate is up. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Murray. All right, here we go. John Murray down at the Westgate. We were just talking about dream cars, John Murray. What's your dream car? You know, I was listening to this show yesterday and with uh, with a buddy of mine, and we were talking about how you guys never talk about sports. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe a Maserati. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that a big upgrade over what you're driving now? That'd be pretty nice. That'd be pretty nice. We're not doing any sports today, so it's going to be like yesterday's show. Yesterday's show, you guys were talking about like, uh, God, what was or something and we and we just we just turned it off you might have been listening during 4 30 that's that's the that's our food that's, portion that's of the, the show. food portion of the show we were talking about a hot dog in a counter and then we invited adam to come out with us and he blew us off well as you know i was writing oh okay. i don't even be surprised but would be surprised. No, that's not a big surprise. He's always writing. All right, we talk sports with John Murray. Uh, Thursday night football, what are we looking here in terms of uh, sharps and squares and uh, what is it, two and a half Rams? I kind of forgot we even have a game tomorrow. I mean, there's so much focus on the baseball right now. There's so much money on this baseball game tonight. Um, the football game tomorrow is all Rams. You got, you're right about that, Steve. We're at Rams two and a half right now. We were as low as pick them, but it's just nothing but Rams money from the public and from some pretty sharp players. So uh, we we went to one and a half and now two and a half. Did you have uh, going back to baseball for a second? Did you have li- a lot of liability on the futures market with the Yankees? Oh, we're just we're no not on the Yankees. Uh, we're just we're totally buried on the San Francisco Giants. I mean, if the Giants win the World Series, if they win the pennant, we'll be in a lot of trouble. The, the Yankees were fine because our our main baseball guy here is a total Yankees homer. So that's he 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 books it like that every year. <laughs> Uh, the the people you respect, as you put it, uh, were they laying you know two twenty today with the Dodgers? Uh, not really. These people that were betting the Dodgers today are really more of just like um, what would you call them? Uh, recreational recreational players. How's that for a word? Uh, a lot of recreational bets on the on the Dodgers. Do people not like the word square? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they don't. They don't. Are they really square when the Dodgers win ten to one tonight? I mean, I just these are just recreational type of players. I see what they bet on in other events, and I know that they're more casual type betters. Fair enough. Uh, as we look ahead to the weekend, uh, have we seen people a little bit overreact to the Raiders finally losing, 
Or are people still uh, on the Raiders bandwagon? Oh, there's a lot of money on Chicago, but I, I kind of expected that because uh, because of how high the line is. I, I had a feeling that regardless of what the Raiders did on Monday night, there'd be there'd be a fair amount of support for the Bears in this game. But honestly, we're still going to end up needing the Bears. I mean, the, the public is going to back the Raiders. They can't help themselves. But th- that should be uh, that should be the most I would say the most heavily bet non primetime game. Because the the other games in the afternoon are, are, are fairly weak as as opposed to last week when they were great, but of course the Sunday night game is going to get all the money. Sorry to sorry to put you on the spot on this one. Do you guys still have uh, divisional odds up? And I, I assume the Chiefs are still the favorite to win the division. Well, yeah, we do actually. We we took a big uh, we took a big bet on the Bills today to win their division. We thought maybe it was somebody making a, a play for you, Adam. A uh, guy laid a guy laid nine dollars on the Bills. The Chiefs are minus one ten to win the AFC West. So even though they're off to, I guess you could call it a bad start, they're two and two. They are the favorite. They are the favorite. The uh, the Chargers are next, of course, and followed by the Broncos and the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders, as good of a start as they're off to, actually have the longest odds to win their division because the AFC West is just that good. I will make the case you guys are probably light on the Bills at minus nine dollars. Uh... They have the easiest mm-hmm. schedule in the NFL from here on out. Uh, mm-hmm. They have been destroying teams with a great defense, and their offense has been awful. And they're still three and one in crushing team, teams. Like they're going to roll. I don't. I don't know. They're off. I thought they won on Sunday, forty to nothing. Yeah, their defense was insane. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know much about football. I don't. I. I thought if you scored forty points, it was good. Oh, there was good defense. It was incredible. Give up zero. We kept having good field well, position. That's uh, no question how good their defense is. Uh, calling the Bills offense awful is ridiculous, but okay. Well, they've had a quarterback with what three three sixty five or less grades in four weeks, and you know, yeah, it's not no, great. He's a, he's a real bum. Hopefully, they find a real quarterback to go in there. And then they'd be unstoppable. That's for sure. Uh, oh, I know. Well, there's a lot of quarterbacks better than Allen out there. They could get Mahomes or no one. Right now, 26th, I think. Um, so yeah. the the game this week with Bills and Chiefs, what are people doing with that game? I, I actually saw uh, – I was sitting with some Chiefs fans on Sunday that were saying the Bills should probably be like six points in this game. I think that's crazy, obviously. Uh, mm. The Bills have been great, but who have they played? I think the Chiefs look at this game as a way as – as a game to kind of – you know, show where they stand. Well, most of the people are actually betting on Buffalo, especially when the line is at Buffalo plus three. Uh, the, a lot of the, and then a lot of the public guys and sharp guys are on the Bills right now. We're Kansas City minus two and a half, minus one twenty. It looks like we might need the Chiefs in this game. You know, the way it's being bet, Buffalo is so good on defense, and Kansas City's defense has been lousy. And, you know, here in the real world, we consider Buffalo and Kansas City to both be great offensively. So really, the the only weak unit in this game is the Kansas City defense. Buffalo is considered a much more complete team. And even though the game's in Kansas City, uh, it's being bet that way. The I, I, We talk often about the market being based on numbers and not overreacting to things and, um, you know, not being emotional but when you have something going on like in Jacksonville right now, with which the team seems to be just a complete disarray and falling apart, how much does that kind of get weighed in when you're trying not to be emotional about things, but emotion can play into this? 
Well, that game is going to be all Tennessee money no matter what. No matter what Urban Meyer's doing off the field, uh, it's just going to be nothing but people betting the Titans. They're a cheap road favorite in that game, or what the public perceives to be a cheap road favorite. I don't think laying four and a half points on the road is cheap, but that's the way they will look at it. And uh, we're, we're taking nothing but Tennessee money. Uh, uh, Jacksonville will be one of our biggest needs of the morning. Uh, Cincinnati is going to be our big need in the morning, but uh, Jacksonville is going to be a team. Jacksonville is a team we're going to probably need every week, you know, at least until they show a pulse. Although they really, they could have easily won that game last Thursday. You know, if they, if they get that fourth down to go up 21 and nothing in the second quarter, they probably win that game in Cincinnati. So they, they did play better, but the, the public is going to keep going against them for a while. Who is, who is the most public team right now? Uh, I guess it's probably Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and Kansas City uh, is the short answer. I mean, those are the three best teams in the NFL. I know Arizona's off to a really good start, but uh, they're the three best teams in the NFL. They got the high-powered offenses. They're scoring a lot of points, and, and, and that's who the public looks to bet on. The public looks to bet on teams that put up a lot of points. If Baker Mayfield actually does anything. I mean, the Browns, to me, look similar to, to the Bills in that regard. I mean, the, their defense has been completely crushing people. The quarterback plays better. The Browns could be in that mix too, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that holds the Browns back from being in that, that group that I just mentioned is, is exactly what you said, the quarterback play. That Mayfield is not giving them what those other teams are getting from their QBs. And he really did not play well at all last Sunday. They, they kind of escaped against Minnesota. But I, I think that that's a spot to maybe take a look at this week would be the Cleveland Browns in that spot against, uh, against the Chargers. All right, John Murray, we'll see you on Sunday morning, okay? All right, I'll be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, John Murray. Never stops working. Never stops working. It's a worker. That's what's on his – I've seen his office. It says worker, not even a just, title. It just says John Murray, worker. Uh, 8 a.m. Sunday, football preview show. It'll be the Adams, Candy, and Hill hosting live uh, 8 o'clock until uh, 10, 8 to 9 on the air. Before Football Central, you got the theater there. You've got the book, 4K uh, video wall, uh, cheap drinks, cheap eats, and – Easy to bet the games and then uh, jump in on the in-game betting as well. Westgate, it's the original, it's the best. Football Central at the Superbook. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.